Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, fitness for real people, with your host, Gabrielle Mazar. Gabrielle Mazar. On today's episode, Gabrielle interviews licensed therapist Michelle Greeno. They discuss the mental impact of our current pandemic, their personal stories about how this has affected them, as well as coping mechanisms to handle the stress and anxiety our current situation brings. And now here's your host, personal trainer and stretch therapist, Gabrielle Mazar. Welcome back to the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People. I'm your host, Gabby Mazar. And on today's episode, I have a returning guest, Michelle Greeno. Um, we have run the gamut of talking about COVID-19. This will be my fourth episode about the coronavirus. So that means it has been six weeks since my first episode about this, and we are still continuing on, still dealing with it. Um, Today, what we're going to discuss is uh, we've done the medical side, we've done the economic side, um, we've even talked about washing your hands, because I really touched on that for one entire episode. Today, we're going to talk about the mental side. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you for having me. And I was going to say six weeks, but it feels like six years has passed. Forever. This this has been a long month and a half. It has been a very long month and a half. It just seems to be going on and on and on and on and never ending. And it is really day by day. Absolutely. You know, we're trying to navigate our lives through this and you can't because there's no plan. Absolutely. I I think one of the hardest things about COVID-19 is that decisions that we have no impact on making are impacting us once a day, sometimes twice a day. And we have no certainty about what our life looks like or planning our life. And most of us who are planners, if you have a family, if you have a business, if you're going to school, um, you know, you do that planning. And now you wake up the next day and you're like, you know, what personal horror awaits me today right? in terms of trying to plan my life out and does it take me in a completely different direction than, you know, what I was doing yesterday. And that's that's hard. That's yeah. some really hard it stuff. It can be very mentally taxing. Absolutely. Especially, you know, for people out there that have, you know, I had a, I was supposed to be at, an, um, at a wedding April 24th, 25th, and uh, they had to reschedule for July. Now we're, I mean, are we even are we even going to be able to do that? Who knows? Right. Exactly. You know? And we're, our lives are just kind of in limbo. Yep. Consistently in limbo. And it's like, what the hell is going on? Right. <laughs> I, I think a, a lot of curse words. <laughs> There's been a lot of naps from exhaustion. Crying. And a lot of crying. A lot of crying. A lot of anger. A lot of sadness. Just trying to understand um, all of this. I think there's been a lot of fear. Yep. And that's a hard place for most of us to be in. And it's just a very crazy time that requires us to sit back and accept the fact that we have a new normal. Yeah. Um, to what life looks like in the United States and in the world. Yeah. So I'm sure there's people that can relate to any of our situations here. You know, me being a business owner and being shut down and, you know, we are operating um, online, but, you know, we're taking a huge, huge hit. So that's extremely stressful. And, you know, my life hasn't changed so much in my home life. I mean, but as far as businesses, but your life has changed in your home life because, 
you know, you have a daughter who's in high school, who's now not in classes and doing all of her assignments online and at home. Um, I teach at ASU too, so they our semester just ended this week. So teaching classes online, I've even had to shift to that. So, I mean, it wasn't a huge change for me, but for them it was, you know. So, you know, tell me a little bit about your experience with this social distancing. Yeah, we have lots of words for it, but we'll start with that, right? So, yeah, I I wanted to share a little bit about kind of what it's been like for me kind of going February forward, because I think everyone can relate to a story of someone kind of sharing. And um, we all have a little bit different context, but certainly... um, you know, everybody probably is experiencing some of the same feelings and those types of things. So um, back in February, when this was occurring in other countries, and maybe we felt like, you know, that's not going to happen in the United States of America. I was in the process of selling a home and purchasing a home. So it was already a time of big change, right? Buying a home. As you know, Gabby, I've been kind of renting for a few years and I've been working really hard on my own business to put money aside to be able to do this is supposed to be this very exciting, you know, time in your life. Um, When you do something that's good excitement, it can also be very stressful, right? So you can have these feelings of uncertainty. Am I making the right decision? How do I make my decisions? What do I do? Um, So add another layer onto that. (laughs) Add another layer, right? So so as we head into March, you know, I, I found a home. It took me a couple of tries. And as you know, the Arizona market, we've had a lot of good economic growth here in the last five years. The housing market has been good. So it was a very fast paced market. And I found myself going through almost like the process of falling in love with a home and then um, losing it all in the same day. So before I found my home, I actually had made offers on a couple other homes and I was already on this roller coaster of emotions where you fall in love with something and then five hours later you find out it's not going to be yours, right? So you kind of are going through this cycle. Um, while we're going through that, I'm starting to see more stuff in you know social media about you know what's this COVID-19 thing? What's this coronavirus kind of what's going on? Um, Now, backtracking um, a few years in my life, I've run quite a few suicide prevention hotlines and nurse advice lines and different types of mental health um, clinics. I stopped watching the news a long time ago because it was tough for me to take in all of that sensationalism and negative energy and also be able to support things like a suicide hotline and be able to manage those things well. Um, and also be able to make clinical decisions about different situations that might be occurring in our local communities, right? So we could be dealing with a a suicide or a murder-suicide that happened in a local community, and it's also on the news. So I also had to, you know, kind of stay away from the news clinically to make sure I was doing things correctly. Um, So just kind of thinking about that process and then having to dive back into the news, that first step in and of itself for me was very painful. Horrifying. Um, (laughs) I mean, horrifying. I I can honestly tell you that probably the last time I really watched any news was like 2010, right? So I'm, I'm, of course, aware of things going on in the world, right? I understand that we have a lot of political unrest and that people have a lot of opinions. So here I go from this kind of life I had diving into the news while I'm purchasing a home, trying to sort out the facts of COVID-19. And sift through, you know, some sensationalism and what's, you know, not reading headlines that are misleading or, you know, you have to, you have to find, I I don't want to say fake news because I think that that's, 
garbage, but um, you find what is fact and what is actually based on fact and not just, you know, taken from a fact and, and made blown up into a big ordeal because it's, you know, our... Our newest stations now are not to get too much into it, but they're they are reporting fact, but it is very skewed. Absolutely, it's it's from someone else's perspective. Yes, and it it if you think specifically about the fact that um, a journalist who has education and experience in communication and interviewing and journalism is providing information from government leaders or experts in infectious diseases or doctors, it's still coming through that person's perception, you know, and then you have people reposting, et cetera, et cetera. So this is something I've been very aware of in most of my life, which is why I tend to try to find my facts elsewhere. So you can imagine my, I'm not even sure if I have a word for it, Gabby, dismay, surprise, terror, when I literally started diving into the news to try to find facts out about COVID-19, because I am a mom. Um, I live with my best friend, so I have a family in my home. I'm in the process of purchasing this home, and I'm trying to find out facts about this global pandemic that is clearly going to be changing our lives. And it was really difficult even just to, you know, kind of find the facts. Um, So we were talking a little bit as we started the show about um, how things were happening daily that started to impact our own lives and our decisions, right? So one of the first things that happened in the United States was our president declared a national emergency. Um, Prior to that, the type of person I am, as I tried to sort out the facts, right, I was going to Center for Disease Control website, I was going to um, various universities to look at what medical experts and infectious disease experts were saying about this to try to figure out how do I talk to my family? How do we have a strategic plan that's informed, that's maybe not based on fear, even though I'm feeling pretty fearful at this point and wondering, you know, I got to kind of hold it together for my family. Like, how am I going to do this? So um, this is kind of a funny, not funny, but um, on the day that the president declared the national emergency, I had been talking to Alex and my best friend, Casey, who we all live together about, I think we should have a plan. I do think we should you know, be informed. I Build think, a bunker. I think we should. Well, it crosses <laughs> no, you your not. mind, right? There's no basements in Arizona. We better move back to Wisconsin. Just kidding. But honestly, it crosses your mind. I said, I do think we should stock up. You know, I think we should be prepared. I don't think we should be, you know, live in our fear, even though we're feeling afraid. So lucky us, we accidentally decide to go to the grocery store literally 15 minutes after the president did his news briefing. And I was thinking, I'm prepared, we can do this, my family's okay. We walk in, and I kid you not, Gabby, within 30 seconds, it just, you you lose your mind. You're panicked, you're fearful, you look at the shelves, there's no meat, there's no toilet paper, there's no canned goods, and um, that's why I say it's a funny, not funny, because we were going around the store, and I think Alex and Casey would both say too, we, we felt terrified. I mean, we live in the United States of America. This cannot possibly be happening to us, right? And the the funny, not funny part is, is Alex and I were with one cart completely filled up, right, with food and just feel, taking on the energy of um, the grocery store. And Casey comes flying up. Now, we both normally eat healthy. You know that. He comes flying up with two huge um, fries, grocery store, Kroger, pizzas, 
And he's like, I got him for three bucks. There's no chicken. Let's get the hell out of here. This is crazy. <laughs> and we kind of started laughing, you know, a little bit. But still, as we tried to get out of the grocery store, just the whole idea of like standing in line, children were crying. I mean, parents were losing their minds. The cashiers were you know, just you could tell, like they they hadn't been blinking. Their eyes are wide. They're afraid. Like nobody really knows what's going on. We get home and we're like, we're exhausted. <laughs> See, <laughs> my experience. This is this is funny because I would say my experience of grocery stores has not been that. But what I will say is that um, because I usually go grocery shopping at night. And I think most people do it in the morning or during the day. So I, I kind of had a different view. So every time I would go to the grocery store, there's like nobody there. I never waited in line. Like granted, I didn't have toilet paper, but I'm a type, I always shop at Costco. I have not been to Costco unless to get gas in, during this entire time because I'm not, it's bonkers. Mm-hmm. But I always have like a huge thing of toilet paper. I always buy a huge thing of paper towels. So we have not had to buy toilet paper or paper towels or anything because I'm always stocked up on that. But when we, when I went to, I had that same panic moment. It was Wednesday and I was like, Aaron's at work. It was his last, no, it was a Tuesday. It was his last day of work. They were closing that night. They were closing the restaurants. And I, all of a sudden I was like, what are we going to do? Aaron's not going to be working. I'm not going to be working. Oh, my God, I'm freaking out. So I go to the grocery store, and it's like there weren't a ton of people, but, like, Safeway, there was no produce, zero, none. And so I just kind of, like, I'm like, whatever. Okay, I'll just take what I, you know, what I can get. And then I went to Spr- or I went to Sprouts and got my produce at Sprouts. And then I went to Safeway. So I went to three different stores. I went to Safe- Sprouts, Fries, and Safeway. Safeway, no produce. So I get whatever I get at Safeway, and I walk out the door, and I was like, <gasps> Oh no, I need wine. <laughs> so I had to go back in and stock up on wine. Absolutely. And thinking to myself, like, eight bottles of wine, that should be good. <laughs> I should be good with that. Um, I'll just have to tell you, I have purchased wine two more times since then in the six week period because you're sitting at home doing nothing. So my wine consumption has gone up. Probably tenfold. Absolutely. (laughs) I I think there are a few companies in the world that are making some money right now. But my freak out was not like, oh, food, no big deal. No, because we always have we always have food in our refrigerator. So that's not a fear of mine either. And we cook at home. We have a garden. So like if we have to, we can gnaw on some leaves in the backyard. (laughs) But wine. Right. What if they run out of wine? Right, exactly. So I I share your experience tremendously, right? First, I was in denial, right? Like, this isn't going to happen yeah. to us in the United States. This yeah. is, you know what? Influenza has a higher mortality rate than I'm, you know, I'm, I'm researching things than this has had in China or other countries who are impacted. After the grocery store experience, I went straight from denial to shock. I was like, I cannot believe this is happening. And then I started to feel things like, grief from the losses, right? I can't I can't get my healthy, nutritious, right? I've been a Weight Watchers member for a long time. I can't get chicken. I, I was trolling the internet for chicken for days because I thought I'm not eating pizza every day. So I'm going to go through a global pandemic and I'm going to get fat. I was like, no way. <laughs> I'm not doing this, right? So, so get home and more things start to unfold, right? So Casey um, works in the bartending industry, hospitality industry, and we're having conversations three, four times a day about 
um, does he go to work? He's afraid, you know, he went to one event before the, in, the decisions got made to close the restaurants and the venues, and he, was, he came home terrified, you know? And so then we talked about, you know, making choices to stay well versus money. What is he going to do? I mean, very, very real things that are very scary. Alex was coming off of spring break, and we got an email that said, there's no school. And we don't know what the plan is. You know, so as a parent, you try to have a good communication strategy with your family about certain things. And I'm thinking, what do I tell my daughter? I mean, there's 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 no plan. So from the time of that national emergency to some of our local Arizona government making decisions about um, what needed to happen, that's when the executive order came around closing down certain businesses and and social distancing. And that in and of itself, very scary. Um, as you know, being a small business owner impacts people in so many different ways. At the same time, we're, we're trying to understand all these differences in our lives. There's still this sheer terror and fear about, like, am I going to get this disease? Am I going to die? Do, is somebody I know going to get this disease? So, um, you know, deni- so it went from denial to shock to grief and loss to fear, scared, anger, disappointment, Um, you know, wondering about all these things. And at the same time, I've still purchased a home. (laughs) I'm trying to negotiate my home inspection, my appraisal, but, right, all my decision-making, my problem-solving, the way I handle my daily tasks is all being impacted by these feelings. And I'm finding that it's taking me two and three times as long to do the things I normally do. And then logistically, if you were picking up the phone to call, for example, your Wi-Fi carrier to transfer your service, you're being told there's no technicians that can come out to move your service. And oh, by the way, you're going to have to do it yourself. So now I'm like, holy crap, you got to be kidding me. Like, can I can this move even happen? Right. This is supposed to be a very joyful, exciting, you know, time in my life. Now I've got people who live with me that don't have money coming in. They're afraid. Alex doesn't have school. We don't know what that looks like. You know, will that return back to normal? So um, all of those feelings, all of that stuff, and at the same time, you're trying to continue to have daily activities and plan your life toward a goal in the same way you would, right, if you were purchasing a home. Um, Very overwhelming. Yeah, and we're seeing now after, you know, this six weeks, eight weeks, however long, you know, we're seeing a spike in suicides. Mm -hmm. Even um, that doctor who has been treating uh, the COVID-19 patients, she took her own life this past week. Um, So we're we're seeing that all of these things that we've never, ever in our lives had to deal with. You know, this is not a situation that we've ever had to handle. And you know, I remember my last day of classes was Wednesday, and I met with my ASU students. And uh, my class that day was focused on perception. And the reason I wanted to focus on that and to talk to them about that was because perception is everything. Um, you can take the situation and perceive all, all of it as negative. It's the end of the world. But then you're putting that weight on your shoulders. And I wanted them to take the time of this class. I mean, I teach a yoga Pilates class, so it's not like I'm teaching them, like, philosophical stuff, right? But, like, take that moment. Take this hour of time to do this yoga class. 
and feel the positive of what could come from this. And I wanted them to write something in their journals that day, one positive that has come from this pandemic. Because you can take a negative of any situation. And I looked at it, I said to them, you know, here's the things in my lifetime. And when I was in high school, you know, when I was a junior, like your your daughter, we had um, uh, Columbine. Mm-hmm. It changed everything. Everything. We were afraid to go to school. We were afraid that somebody was going to come shoot us up. We had to wear name tags around our neck, you know, just to in classes. All day long, we wore lanyards with name tags. Then when I was in a freshman in college, 9-11 happened, you know, and it, it changed everything. And here we are again. And I, I said, these things will happen and they will continue to happen. And I don't want to say that negatively to make you fearful but I want people to understand that even though these situations have happened we have adapted and we have grown and we have made it through even when you know the market crashed in 2008 I almost lost my home and here I am in in 2020 I could lose my business Mm -hmm. but I didn't I didn't lose my home I, you know, I'm now not upside down anymore. The market has shifted. And even though we might go through another downturn, we're going to be okay. And that's really, that's really what I wanted people to understand and my students to understand that this sucks and it's so hard. And this is something, nothing like this particular situation we've never been through before, but we adapt and we learn and our perception of how this affects us is what changes us to grow and pushes us outside of our comfort zone to learn and experience new things, uh, how we'll get through this. You know, my experience was I had to shift my business online and I had to do it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And it, within 24 hours, we had classes up and running. We had a schedule going and we had shifted everything online. We had an email sent out to all of our clients to let them know this is what we're doing because we had to so that I could survive. Yeah, I, I think you're tapping into two really important concepts. The first one is for mental health, right? For mental and emotional health and wellness. We go through this crisis. The first thing we have to do is accept the fact that it's real. Yeah. And that takes some time. So even though I have, I'm a licensed professional counselor, it does not um, free me up from feeling denial, from feeling shock, from going through all those same emotions. So once we get to the point where we're starting to feel those intense emotions, that's an opportunity, like you said, to say, what is my perception of this, right? To be fair, (laughs) when we got closed down by the city, I did cry for about 24 hours. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Lots of like hysterical, like (laughs) sobbing. I, <laughs> I, I came in to see you for, for a few stretch sessions, and I, I, I added you to my meditations and my prayers. Because this is some tough shit. There's no, there's no other way to describe it. There isn't. There isn't. But again, like, I did. I, t- I cried. I cried. I cried for days. But I was like, okay, okay, we can do this. We can do this. We have to do this. Right. Because there's no other choice. Right. Right. And <laughs> Quit. Or move forward. Exactly. Right? And and I think the other concept you, you're talking about that's really important is once we get to that place, we do have a choice. Sometimes we have to sit with those emotions for a little bit, yeah. to cry for yeah. 24 hours. Cry it out. We got to <laughs> feel them or, or you don't recover from them. You yeah. don't heal from them. You know, so, that, so, so as I thought about talking with you today and what I could say to people, 
to help get through this is one of the first things you have to do is accept that it's happening and then feel what you're feeling. And that's okay. Um, one of the things I talk to my daughter about and write anybody else who will listen to me is there's things out there in the counseling world called feelings charts. And oh, they're... I have them right here. That's Hold right, because I printed Hold them up for us. Okay. Um, next one, Which actually. Next, I, oh, next page. Um, Wrong one. And the, We're on the, the feelings chart. Right. I'll post these. <laughs> that's can, right. You'll, you'll in color. In from, color. From Michelle. Yeah, okay. Um, but what's really amazing about these is if you, if you ever ask someone, how are you feeling? Nine times out of 10, you will not get a feeling word. You will get kind of a cognitive explanation of their context or their situation. Um, the feeling chart I printed out for you that I'll, that I'll give to you for your social media posts, what I like about this one is it, is it comes in a circle. And on the inside of the circle, there are six main feelings. And if I'm reading correctly, it's sadness, um, scared, mad, peaceful, powerful, joyful. So for people who are not adept at identifying feelings, and, it, and it's not an easy thing to do, start there. How do I feel? The cool thing about this chart is you'll see, Gabby, that the circles go out further, and it allows you to further differentiate Expand and on the detail your feelings, right? So, so under madness and anger, there's other feelings. There's disappointment. There's resentment. There's hurt. Um, and so I have you know, worked a lot of different places helping people do this, and it, it's a skill. Um, so it's something that people have to practice. But like you said, once we identify our feelings and we tell ourselves, it's okay for me to feel this way, we can kind of lean into it. And then we can usually move into a way to cope with it or, or a plan okay of action. And it's okay to have more than one of those feelings. Excellent. I am scared. Point. I am mad. And I am also sad. Right. <laughs> kind of like I was saying with buying a house. I'm joyful. Yeah. I'm terrified. <laughs> yeah. And oh, my God, throw a global pandemic on top yeah, of this, right? all of the above. All, all of the, of the above, above. Right? So the other thing for any of your listeners that may have children or small children is there's, if, if anybody just goes to Google the feelings chart, you can find this circle. There's also a feelings <laughs> chart for children that just includes the six main emotions and usually has emojis. pictures. Emojis. They're emojis. Yep, emojis. Usually has pictures of faces because a child may not know what sad means. A, a, a young person in elementary school or middle school might not know what sad means, but they'll probably relate to the picture and they could at least point to it, you know, so in term, terms of helping. And, and I shouldn't even say just children. Sometimes as grown adults, we might not exactly know what we're feeling and we might need a picture to kind of help us describe it. But just like you said, Gabby, um, you know, before we can move into how are we going to cope with this? What are my strategies? What's my plan of action? I think we have to start there. Yeah. For our mental and emotional health. Especially or, now because we can't really form a plan of action. We can emotionally, but I think it's also day by day because there are days where I feel hopeful. There are days where I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. And then, you know, Wednesday when Ducey said we're not opening, I was like, "I, uh, what am I going to do? Right. What am I going to do? I, I. I have understanding and care for people and I want people to stay safe, but I also don't want to lose everything I have worked the last 15 years for. So hard to lose everything. I am scared. I am scared to death. Right. Absolutely. And you bring up a really good point. Our feelings aren't static and they're not linear and there's not just one. So as you wake up feeling hopeful and then you go through your day and you see something on social media or you hear about our local governor's decision and all of a sudden you're terrified again, um, you know, and you're in this completely different place. So 
um, I'm kind of back to, right? People really being able to identify their feelings and then be kind to yourself about them, right? So I'm the type of person that when I have a very intense feeling, the first thing I do is say, you know, Michelle, you're smarter than that. You don't need to be angry. This is ridiculous, you know, and it's and it's kind of like, am I being kind to myself? I'm beating myself up for being human yeah. and feeling the feeling. Whereas if I just felt the feeling and one of the things people can also do if they have trouble identifying feelings is share your story with someone you trust. Somebody who's not going to minimize your feeling and say, you'll be fine, Gabby, you'll get over it. You're very successful. Your business will be fine. Share it with someone who's just going to sit with you and say, God, Gabby, this sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's so powerful. And then once you get it out there, you've leaned into it, you've felt it, and, and you can move into that maybe more as much control as we have yeah. right now, which is limited focus, but we can move more into that um, strategy piece of it. And usually when people are planning and in the strategy phase, they feel a little more hopeful because they're doing something. They're moving, they're putting their feet forward. They're taking one step forward, you know, to try to do something that's different than just being in that terrified, angry, or sad feeling. So for people that are self-isolating, what are some ways that they can cope with these feelings and emotions and this stress? Like, what can they do in their homes or, you know, physically, mentally to help them get through this, get past this? That's a great question. Um, one of the things that I did that was really helpful is I started to limit the amount of time I spent on social media or looking at news outlets. While I want to have the facts and the facts are changing every day, I was recognizing that spending seven to eight to nine hours, right now I'm in between work projects, um, that's a lot of time for me to spend reading things that I don't know if they're true, that are filled with other people's emotions and opinions and perceptions. And it was almost paralyzing me from being able to just do my daily activities. So, you know, one of the things I would say to people is, Everybody has to make that decision for themselves on how much is too much, but recognize that right now, everything we see through media and social media has some kind of impact on us and can be a little bit scary. Mm -hmm. um, you know, So the first thing might be to limit those things. The second thing I would say is be kind to yourself, especially as it comes to rest. So you know me pretty well. I've, I've got a long history of being a, a type A, uber productive person. But that lifestyle has led to a lot of stress for me and a lot of negative things in my life. I've had to learn how to slow down and rest. Well, okay, so you bring up a good point there, too, because for those of us that are type A, like myself, we feel very useless, mm -hmm. I guess, when we're not being productive. So for me, this has been very hard to kind of pull back because I always am doing something and working, you know, my 10, 11, 12 hour days. It's just, my, that's my norm. But our norm now is so different. And we have to understand that, you know, especially as our as type, type A personalities, productivity looks different, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not, your productivity can also be your self-care regimen. It can also be, you know, cooking dinner. It can also be, those Those things are productive. So just because, like for me, just because I'm not in my business 10, day, 10 hours a day, 
It doesn't mean I'm not being productive. It means that I'm being productive in different ways. But that was something really hard for me to kind of adjust to because I have always, you know, my business coach would say that I have always been like, I'm like, I'm not doing anything. And he's like, why, why do you feel like you're not doing anything? Rest is doing something. Mm-hmm. And you bring up an excellent point. This lesson for me, I'm, I'm at, I would hope the other side of the continuum of mine, but it's taken years for me to recognize that rest is part of my productivity and ultimately helps me be more productive. Right. You know, so you bring up a lot, a, a lot of things that you talked about that you're doing. Um, one of the things I think people can do is remember that rest isn't just sleep or napping or laying down. Rest might be playing doing, Candy Crush. Playing Candy Crush, <laughs> right? Taking your mind. I'm on level 1,347, by the way. God, I don't even, I think I'm at like 4,000. Right? I have a problem. Yes. (laughs) I have a problem too. Taking your mind off the things that are causing you stress, you know, physical stress or mental stress or emotional stress, Um, understanding that, um, and and this is a funny, not funny, Um, people will say, you know, meditate. Gabby, I can't meditate. I I can't sit still with something like that for more than 45 seconds before I throw my phone down and I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not doing this. I yeah. can't meditate. Now, I can meditate when I'm doing a very physical activity like uh, lifting weights or hiking. So I've had to learn about mm-hmm. myself, right? Like what makes me feel calm? Mm-hmm. What makes me feel connected yeah. to something inside of myself? What makes me feel grounded maybe to my life, to this planet, to my family, those types of things. For some people that might be cooking your grandma's favorite comfort recipe and sitting down and having a nice family meal. It might be gardening, right? Getting out and doing things with your hands, being very tactile, getting in the dirt. doing a lot of gardening. Yes. I can't wait to come see the fruits of your labor, no pun intended. Um, But I think it's important that people remember rest doesn't mean sleep. We need sleep, you know, as personal trainer, physiologically for our bodies. But we also need rest. Mental rest. We also need mental rest. We also need ways to connect spiritually, right, whatever that is for people with whatever those things may be. Um, So when I say rest, exactly like you were talking about, in order to deal with this change and being a productive person – taking care of ourselves, that self-care regime is making you a more productive person in your new normal. And and it's very critical. You know, it's almost like a hinge holding you together. If you were just going and going and going at some point, you know, that's probably not going to work out too yeah. well. You know, so there's people like extroverted people. We know that they were affected pretty much immediately because people that are extroverts like like the two of us. Yes, well, I was. You're, you're an introvert extrovert. You're kind of a little bit of both. But for yeah. me, I'm very I am an extroverted person. I like to be around people. Obviously, my job, I'm around people. That was huge for me, you know, going from seeing 10, 20, 30 people a day to seeing two. I'm like, I don't want to look at your face. Anymore. And seeing the same two. <laughs> the same two. You know, so it's it's funny, funny not funny. But um you know, for extroverts, it was very difficult, very difficult shift. And all those memes about like introverts and like, oh, I've been preparing this for my whole life. We are seeing that people that are introverted are starting to have those issues because even as an introvert, you still need that human interaction. So how do you suggest people, extrovert or introvert, get get that human connection? That's an excellent point. Um, 
my daughter and I talk about extroversion and introversion because I'm an extrovert and she's an introvert. But she'll say, Mom, I think I'm just a vert. And, <laughs> you know, ultimately, I think we have a little bit of both. I'm definitely an extrovert. So learning to work from home three years ago, I was able to start working on this. And I think that minimized my impact to this. But, right, I, I don't I, I just want to go to Ross and junk buy like $50 worth of, you know, sports bras. And I can't. Yeah. And, it, and it's driving me crazy. So... Um, you know, so you bring up a, a really good point about isolation. So um, one of the other handouts I have for the show is something you've probably heard of in all your teachings, Maslow's hierarchy yes. of needs. Um, and it's something I'll provide, you know, that you can put on social media. But Maslow came up with a triangle-shaped hierarchy that basic the basic principles are you have to meet the needs at the bottom of the triangle before you move up. So the bottom of the triangle is our physiological needs. We have to breathe, we need food, we need water, we need shelter, we need sleep. Once those are met, um, then we need safety and security, right? We need to be gainfully employed in, in the United Which States of America. Which many of us are not. I believe it's about 30% unemployment at this time. I think the last number I saw was 30.3 million people have filed for unemployment, right? Oh. So 30.3 million people don't have safety and security and may not be able to meet their family's basic needs, right? So safety and security also includes our home, our family, our health, if we're socially stable. And then right up above that are things like our connectedness, our love and belonging, and then we can move into self-actualization. So um, you know, one of the things I think we can do, introverts and extroverts alike, is to recognize that right now during this global pandemic and this crisis, lots of people are not meeting their physiologically needs and a lot of people don't feel safe and secure. Now's not the time to, to take a project management course, unless you're there, and become certified in project management. Now is the time for us to identify ways to take care of our safety, to take care of our family, to take care of ourselves, and like you said, to connect, to belong. As humans, it's human nature for us to be connected. Um, one of the things I would have done differently if I was leader of a country would be instead of saying social distancing, I might have called it physical distancing because I think that naming it physical distancing would have helped people understand what we need to do with Staying six feet six apart. Feet apart, not completely shutting But down. as humans and yeah. looking at Maslow's hierarchy, um, we still need social connectedness. Right. Um, we're fortunate in in our you know that we have technology and yeah. we can do virtual meetings Very and virtual fortunate. happy hours and still connect over those different types of ways. So for introverts and extroverts alike, right? It's 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 very hard to socially connect when you really didn't have a roadmap for yeah. this before. Oh, absolutely. I know. Uh, I've heard some people that have been doing like um, uh, they'll park like in a parking lot and they'll have like dinner together apart you know so people are getting very creative again that's our that's us adapting and our perception moving forward of how things are going to be different you know there are like you said those virtual happy hours we have those online classes and although I miss all my clients so much and being there I still get to see their faces and talk to them you know it it, it just it makes it very I guess doable ap copable is that a word? And we're adaptable. <laughs> we're still meeting our needs, but we've had to adapt to a new normal. So 
Um, as you know, Gabby, yesterday in Arizona, we had a flyover to support our first responders. Oh, see, this is why I love you. I made Alex watch Top Gun. She's like, Mom, what is this? This is another one of those old 80s movies you're making me watch during it's, social isolation, social distancing. It's all I could think of going through my head. But. Right? So um, to me, um, I, you know, I, I've really grieved the loss of my connection to this country. I mean, we're not going to talk political and we're not going to get into things, but lots of people have very intense feelings yeah. over who is the United States of America. So for me, yesterday was really cool. It was a, um, to me, it was more like a, a Top Gun moment, like a symbol of hope, of yeah. believing in humanity, of remembering that we should have compassion as human beings. And you're not seeing that right now yeah. in the news and on social media. Um, so for me, part of meeting my love and belonging on Maslow's hierarchy was we made a really big deal and had a huge dinner afterwards based on a flyover that was seven seconds. That is awesome. It was awesome. I mean, I felt like it was a very connected family day. And, you know, we didn't have to do anything big or special. But for me, that was really a way that I could meet my needs. So I, you know, encourage people to explore, you know, where do I not feel connected? And then you know, don't try to do 10 things tomorrow. Do one thing tomorrow that helps you feel connected. And then go back to your feeling chart, maybe a little bit too <laughs> therapy talk, right? But how do I feel? Yeah. Did that help me? Check in. Check in with Check yourself. in. Constantly. I mean, it's, this is a very trying time. And if you're feeling hopeless or feeling, you know, thoughts of suicide or n don't know who to talk to or where to go to, you can call the suicide hotline. Absolutely. So um, the suicide hotline number is 1-800-273-TALK. It is a 24-7-365 um, clinicians available free service to anybody in the United States. So having run a few suicide hotlines, how it works is when you call the national number on a state and local level, it routes to your local um, crisis hotlines and suicide prevention hotlines. And um, you don't have to be suicidal to call. You can be very distressed. You can be depressed. But there are amazing people who work in our local mental health facilities and our call centers that are, are there to help you and are there to listen and know the local resources if you need them. So instead of trying to Google, right, how do I figure this out on my own or where do I take my family member who I'm really concerned about, talk to an expert. Um, and it, and that's always there. That's not a COVID-19 resource. That's always there all the time. Right. And people should use it if they need it. Yeah. Um, and I knew I know that they are actually doing uh, COVID-19 antibody testing now open to anyone. Uh, for reference, I did call to see if I get an appointment. They're booked a month out and they have 8,000 people in the queue. So just so you know that, be aware. Um, but there are, are resources out there. There are things you can do if you are feeling like you need to talk to somebody. You can call that suicide hotline. Um, you can call me if you want to talk. I don't care. Call me. I'll talk to you. <laughs> right. Well, and the, the, other, the other great thing about these types of resources is at their fingertips, and they've been trained and they're experts on things like how do I file for unemployment? They can yeah. at least get you to the right place so you can get started because it's very – overwhelming when you're already overwhelmed to go online and try to figure out what's in your local community. So yeah. for people in the bottom two portions of Maslow's hierarchy, you're not meeting your basic needs. You know, again, folks like this can can help you and are available and great resources to help 
get people in the right direction so they can put one foot forward. Yeah, and I'll have that. Um, I'll have these charts uh, posted in the show notes, and I'll also have the suicide hotline number listed again. Uh, we'll have to end with that because Michelle and I could probably sit here and talk for another four hours, and I'm sure you don't want to listen to us babble on and on and on. But um, I'll have all those resources listed for you. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us today, Michelle. Thanks so much for having me, Gabby. I have so much respect for you and your business and the way that you do fitness for real people. It's an honor for me to be here. Oh, thank you. I want to cry again. That's right. We're going to end with tears because, you know, I'm a therapist. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, you guys, for listening today. If you have any questions, feel free to email me or call me or or, um, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, all over, everywhere, everything. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Due to COVID-19, Gabrielle and many others have had to close their businesses. Remember to support local and help businesses in need during this time by buying gift cards, ordering takeout from your favorite restaurants, or joining online fitness classes like those at Pilates Tempe. You can find out more information for online classes and training at PilatesTempe.com. We thank you for your support and hope you stay healthy and safe. Thank you. This has been the Fit Minute Podcast, Fitness for Real People with Gabrielle Mazar.